so far, there has been no explanation of the 26 planets which have appeared in the sky. The planets didn't come to us. We came to them. We're in a completely different region of space. We've traveled. Spaceships? They're coming into orbit. Oh, my God. I'm receiving a communication for the human race. Let's hear it. Exterminate! Oh, no. There are people out there dying on the streets. What are we going to do? We are declaring war, Doctor, right across the universe, and you will lead us into battle. Oh, you know nothing of any human, and that will be your downfall. I'm sorry, we're dead. Get out of there. Spoilers. Welcome back, everyone. This is Discussing Who. I am Kyle Jones, and joining me always on this podcast, welcome back. Let's go first with Clarence Brown. Clarence, how are you? I'm doing good, man. Happy to be on another episode, and uh, yeah, feeling good and ready to review um, this this what two-parter coming up. We're going to review the first part of that, so you know, I'm ready to dive in and get into what I think is mostly a setup episode, but <laughs> we'll, we'll dig into true, it. We'll dig true, 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 true. <laughs> so tell me, what's been going on with you? Anything interesting? Anything fun? Oh, man, nothing much. Just um, I had an event in Memphis at the Nerd Night Memphis, which is sort of like a tech, TED Talk for nerds. And I did a speech up there on yesterday um, talking about toxic fandom in the Star Trek universe. So I'm relieved at this point because I've been doing a lot of prep for that and, and just getting set up and getting ready to do that uh, has been a lot of work. But I think it turned out okay. And if you want to actually read what I talked about, you can check it out by going to medium.com slash discussing dash network and see the article I posted. Awesome. Awesome. And I have read that. So anyone listening, let, you know, I highly recommend it. It is a great read and kudos to you, my friend. Hats off to you. Thanks, man. You're very welcome. And also it wouldn't be discussing who if I couldn't say welcome back. Lee Shackelford, Mr. Shackelford, how are you? I'm well. I'm well. And that's, uh, that's very kind of you because, uh, I know you can do this without me, but uh, no, not, it's, not without uh, the two really, of you. Well, you know, I can understand if you don't want to. Okay. I don't yeah. want to. Okay. All so right. There, you, there go. you go. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah. I remember one time that you, you, you had something else to do on a, the night we usually record and you said, why don't you and Clarence just do the show without me? And Clarence and I both were like, what? <laughs> no. I really well, would be uh, interested in listening to uh, that. I'm not joking. Well, that's yeah, I, I it would have that that value. Yeah, that um because you do everything on this show, you know, you you would have audio that you haven't already heard to work with. That that would that would be interesting in that respect. But yeah, yeah. it just seemed they said we just both I think felt, no, that's that's wrong. No, you well, I, well, while I anyway. appreciate that, somewhere in the future, that would be fun. I will even do all the editing, but I promise well, yeah. you that would be so much fun for me to, to to be able to listen to something that's just the two of you discussing who. Yeah. That would be freaking awesome to me. There could be a lot of, boy, aren't you glad that Kyle's corny jokes are part of the episode this week? <laughs> you know, that may be the episode where, you know, our ratings – Go through the roof that week. Yes. Or nobody listens at all. Yeah. 
So welcome back, guys. Glad you're both here. And I want to, before we get in, I'm going to say we've got one big news item. And the big news item is our friend and frequent contributor to this show, Nicole, is at DragonCon this weekend. When this episode goes out, she will already be back. We may have already have gotten content from her that says, hey, this is what happened. But, Nicole, we're sending you our best wishes from the past when you're listening to this, <laughs> saying, we hoped you had a very good time at Dragon Con. That's right. But pretending like you can hear us right now, we just want to say deep breaths. Again. Yes. Just take some deep breaths. You and enjoy. And enjoy, yeah, like, yeah, loosen up enough to enjoy it. So, but she is all verklempt about being able to be in the presence of David Tennant, and um, and who can blame her? Who no, can blame her? I think I would be verklempt, unclamped, un whatever. <laughs> Clarence, if I'm not correct or incorrect in this, because I'm going to let you say her name because I always say her name incorrectly. <laughs> so the actress who portrays Martha Jones, whose name is. Prima? Is that hard to say? Yeah, I can say her first name is the last name. <laughs> I know. I, I, I can say Prima. Edgeman? Edgeman. Yeah. Yeah. She's also going to be there. Am I correct? Yes. As I saw her on the docket as I did some research a few minutes ago to, right. to check it out because hearing all these smatherings and, and people posting online on social media about Dragon Con, I got kind of con envy going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. We, uh, I know, know several other people who are there as artists. Uh, Davis Ashura, um, my, uh, my novelist friend is there, uh, hawking his books and our relativity friend, Scotty Moore. He's gonna, oh, he's wow. there. I don't actually know what Scotty's doing there, but he, uh, he, he's the host of uh, about 16 different podcasts. So I know that he, he, it's gotta be something to do with his uh, voice work. He's there too. So, so, uh, wishing all of those folks well. Hmm. Well, sure. well, considering the fact he does that many podcasts, there's has to be something that in our realm of podcasts that he might be interested in. So an open invitation to him on any that he wants to come on. Hmm. It's true. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, I think we've gotten the news out of the way. So the only other thing I have to say is, for everyone listening, if you have not watched The Stolen Earth, put us on pause. Go watch the episode. Come back. Put us off pause. Start listening again, because from this moment forward, spoilers. Spoilers. Affirmative. Spoilers. Spoilers. Affirmative. Spoilers. The spoiler warning has gone out, and we are back to review The Stolen Earth. This is the 12th episode of the 2008 series of Doctor Who. It originally aired on the 28th of June, 2008, and featured characters, of course, from Doctor Who, Torchwood, and the Sarah Jane Adventure. So, summary view. And you know what? I always ask you guys to go first, so I'll go first this time. Summary view. I thought this was a fantastic episode. It was a great setup for a two-parter. And the thing I think I loved most about this episode was being able to see three aspects of Doctor Who fandom come together and in what I consider a great merging of characters. So that's my overview. So Clarence, what say ye? 
Uh, like you said, it was a good reunion episode. Seeing all these characters come back for one last hurrah was a lot of fun. Uh, there's a lot of techno babble in it. Uh, a little bit too much in my opinion, but still it was fun. It was fun. And of course, this is just one big setup episode for the finale. So, um, yeah, I, I had fun with it, man. I had fun with it. What about you, Lee? Oh, I just love it. I, I love this two-parter just so, so very much. And, uh, it, it does, uh, feel like we're, you do know that it's a two-parter, right? As you say, you're <laughs> through it. You're saying there's no way we're going to get to a conclusion here in the next few minutes. So, <laughs> in that sense, it is transparently obvious that we're going to end on a cliffhanger. But I, I just enjoy all the parts of it so very much. Mm, me too. So, what did you guys think of merging? This adult-themed Torchwood, Doctor Who being the middle of the road, so to speak. And then your more child or children-based audience with the Sarah Jane. How well did you guys think they merged those three very distinct voices of the Who fandom? <laughs> Silence has fallen. <laughs> uh, I, I, at the time, I remember that I was faithfully watching all three shows and kind of had you know different hats on. And uh, so I was a, a fan of all three shows, uh, understanding that I, I kind of have to be in a different mindset when I watch each of them. So it was fun for me. It was sort of like flipping channels. But yeah, what's going to happen when we get them all in the same room? When, when Jack uh, uh, tells uh, Sarah Jane that she's she's looking good, I do remember being kind of kind of feeling like uh her, her her brother or something i'm like hey 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 but uh, you know uh, just because i felt protective of of her <laughs> um so it, it's it's really funny it, it is it's it's hard to get all of those uh characters into the same room but they but they're the, the the tie that binds them of course is the doctor and so it all makes sense but what, what do you guys think does it does it all fit mm. i'm curious <sighs> what you think clarence I think it does. Um, you know, I'm very much know a lot about Torchwood. I've seen the whole series and I love it. And I kind of feel like that anytime I see Jack Harkness back with the main crew or the main show, I feel like it's a one big reunion. But, you know, having the history of knowing what Torchwood is, it was fun to see Gwen and uh, Yanto <laughs> participate in this episode. So I love that. Now, as for Sarah Jane Adventures, I know little to nothing about that series. And seeing those characters uh, in this episode got me a little more interested to maybe dig in and find out a little bit more about these characters. Of course, um, Sarah Jane, we've seen before, but in New Who, anyway, definitely an O. But, you know, I, I just don't know anything about that show. So it's a little bit of a disconnect for me, but I still think they were fun in this episode. Mm. So I think Clarence hit on it when he said, you know, you've seen Sarah Jane before. And, of course, we know that we have seen Captain Jack before. I think there would have been a forced feel to it if you had have had no interaction with the doctor for any cast member of Torchwood. And this was not the Sarah Jane adventures. This was somebody else adventures that just happened to know unit people that we didn't even know about. But the fact that you knew who Sarah was, you knew who Captain Jack was. I think that just, and you've seen them on a Doctor Who episode independent of their own shows. I think that was helping to meld 
the two and just made it seem organic. Yeah, I think that's very well said. So, Lee, I'm curious to know what you think about a particular aspect, since you said that you have seen Sarah Jane as well as Torchwood. I'm curious to know, how well did you think the character of Mr. Smith, not the Dr. (laughs) John Smith, but Mr. Smith, how how well do you think they handled that or any thoughts on how they handled that? Uh, I felt like there was a, a piece of business in there that was just for me. And, and that's very candy because I know it, it, it wasn't just for me, it, but it worked for a lot of people. A lot of us who perhaps were watching Sarah Jane adventures with our children or, you know, but, uh, we're also fans of Torchwood and Dr. Who, but, uh, uh, one of the things about, her show that I did not like was the the deus ex machina aspect of uh, the Mr. Smith computer who knows everything and can do everything. And he's also hidden inside a panel in the wall for no reason. And <laughs> there's also a, a fanfare that they play every time the panel opens and, and Mr. Smith is revealed. It's it's within a hair's breadth of being something from Pee Wee's Playhouse. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it just fit, felt weird. So now we're on Doctor Who, and we're and Mr. Smith is going to have to come out. And so there's the fanfare, and the panel opens, and so on. And Sarah actually refers to it. It's like, do we have to do that every time? And a lot of us kind of punch the airs. And thank you <laughs> for finally saying that. So and this was this was the place to say it. Mm. Um, so I, I enjoyed that. Cool. Well, one other thing before we move on, I would say, in my opinion, and tell me if you guys disagree, that other than the day of the doctor, I would say that this may have been the most ambitious Doctor Who story. And I'm oft, to, you know, I'm almost wanting to say the five doctors might compete into it as well. But as far as putting different characters and faces in a story. I would think that this particular story might hold a fire to day of the doctor in that aspect. Yeah. It's a very complicated story. And if we're talking about in terms of its realization, we have all of the, the sets from all of these shows being employed and a lot of other things that we have to build or find or go to and uh, so much digital stuff. We haven't seen so much digital stuff on the show since parting of the ways. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe it's just, I, I was watching it this time wondering how much did this hour of television cost? <laughs> I just wonder about these things these days. So let, let's kind of move on and, Talk just a little bit about the way this story began in the first few minutes. And, you know, it's obvious at this point that this is a trope that RTD used in his storytelling, meaning that out of 13 episodes, your 11th episode served as a semi set up to the two part finale. Because we saw that last season for season three with Utopia as we revealed Professor Yana. And now we're into season four with Turn Left. And you see at the be- beginning this other alternate life for Donna. And then at the end, 
the doctor realizes that Rose is back, cloister bells, et cetera, and so forth. What do you guys think of having this little hint of something to come and then the two-part finale? Did you guys like that? And Clarence, why don't you go first on that? Did you like this format that they were using at the time? I think so, because it, it made, it makes this ending of this, this series feel big. You know, yeah, the few, mentions of the other episodes we've seen the mention of uh, pyrovella and the adipose breeding planet you know it just kind of makes it all meshed together um and certainly this last episode we had plays heavily into uh these last two so i I love it i think it's something i want to see more of in our current era um this through line throughout the whole season that kind of pays off by the end of it Hmm. okay Lee, what do you? What about you? What do you say? I, I, I always say that I wish that we didn't have to have the uh, the trail of breadcrumbs to lead us through the the, the season or something like that. And I, I'm not sure why I've been saying that because after watching this one pay off, we need the lost moon of Poosh for heaven's sake, you know, and Clum. I I, I realized I I really miss that. I I I love the. the and Donna makes a, a passing reference in, in an earlier episode about bees disappearing and nobody paid any attention to it. You know, the Ood uh, call her the Dr. Donna, uh, little things yeah. like that, that we, we remember they were odd enough that they stuck in our minds, not knowing perhaps that they were going to pay off somehow. And so then we had a hint like that in the first of the 13th doctors season that didn't go anywhere. And so I think a lot of us were like, boy, I kind of miss those days when that would have meant something. <laughs> so wh- wh- what about you? Are you, are you, are you wishing that? Uh, yes. Are, are you just much, said it, didn't you? Yeah, yeah I, I really am. I'm very much wish, wishing that continuity. I loved the aspect of having the breadcrumbs because I loved being able to go back and watch those episodes again with a new understanding after you had been following the breadcrumbs and you get to the loaf of bread at the end, mm-hmm. you know, you actually have the whole concept of the story and then go back and see it again. Hence another reason why I like River being able to go back and watch in a new mindset. You know, I'll take it outside of us. I was talking to a coworker today who was in season or series three, the two, the season right before this and he told me one day last week that he had just watched Blink and said, you know, how great it was and that he was now about to start Utopia. Well, he came in this morning and said, hey, by the way, I finished with season three. And I said, oh, well, I thought you were about to watch Utopia. He said, yeah, but after I started watching it, I couldn't stop because it was, le- you know, it was leading in. And by the time I got to the end of an episode, I didn't want to stop. So I think that helps people watch the show. And, and we were missing that in series 11. So yes, I, um, I, I, I think it's needed and I miss it. Mm. So let's take a moment. You guys mentioned a minute ago, we were talking about the first series, the 2005 series and how ambitious that 2005 series. But since then, you know, we're looking at, you know, 2015, 2016, 2017. And I can remember hearing fandom say Dalek fatigue. Oh, the Daleks are coming back again. Well, we're only four years into it 
at this point in 2008. My question to you, were you feeling Dalek fatigue yet? Hmm. Clarence, That's an one, interesting question. Yeah. Oh, well, either one of you, Claire, or Lee or Clarence, which one? Either one. I'm still thinking. Dalek fatigue. Did I feel it? I'm sorry. I don't, I don't think I got fatigue from it. Um, I think as long as there's a good reason to bring them back, it's fun. I think they played the, they're playing the long game here again, like with, um, is it Dalek Khan is his name? Yes. That's been around since what, when Rose left the series. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So I, I love that through line there and going back so far, uh, to, to have this connection there with Dalek Khan. I thought, think it's really cool. I don't think I'm really getting fatigued with them, but it may be a bit much when we, whenever we do see them, it's always this grandiose thing. I mean, I think from the episode we had with um the ninth doctor, was the name name of the episode just Dalek? Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think I think that was the most subdued of all of their appearances in New Who <laughs> up to this point. And it seems like every time since then when we see them, it has to be some big grandiose event, which is fine. Again, like whenever they have a justification for bringing them back with an OK storyline, I think it's OK. And and we do get something new with this version of seeing them, seeing them again. So I think it's OK now. But again, like once we go past here, it may be may start to be a little bit too much. All right. Lee, what's your take? Yeah, I think that's very well put, Clarence, that I – I'd never thought about it before because I'm not a big Dalek fan. I just don't, I I've seen them used stupidly too often in, in the series, you know, um, I'm just thinking of some, some examples, but <laughs> that we don't need to get into, but it does make me think that the times when we have, when they have been used most effectively in the series is when there's only one as in Dalek and, um, resolution, the resolution of the Daleks. Yeah. And, and in both of those cases, I thought that's completely brilliant. Or when there's a hundred million billion of them. <laughs> and that is also interesting. But anything in between that, yeah, I tend to go, <laughs> oh, it's, it's those guys again, the ones that, yeah, the slow moving things that let you know when they're about to shoot you <laughs> and then don't do it. Yeah. I, you know, and can't see around corners. Yeah. It's, it's just. Yeah. Oh, but you, but, but, but you hit it right on, you know, you, you both said it. You couldn't, well, you both could not have said it any more perfectly than what you did because there are some times when, yes, there are very, very good Dalek stories. And then you get the, what I call color, uh, Fisher Price Daleks from series, mm. uh, five that, yes. you know, we all want to like erase from our memory, but, I'd succeeded until you said it. So. Yes, yeah, sorry, sorry. I know you're going to have night Dalek nightmares now. Now I know what those marks on my arm were. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. They. They. Oh, those. But. But you know, I think of all the appearances of Daleks in the resur- you know resurgent series of New Who. I think this was my favorite Dalek story. Because it brought back one of my favorite Dalek characters. And even though this is not technically a Dalek per se, we see the return of Davros. Lee, you are most familiar with Davros from classic to Davros today. So what did you think of this modernization of Davros? I thought it all made sense if they had changed his 
appearance too much, I wouldn't have believed it and I wouldn't have bought that it's supposed to be the same person. But, you know, as the classic series went on, he was reduced to just a head. Yeah. <laughs> we and things like that. So, you know, we know that his body has kind of come and gone. But I, I have always loved and I love the fact that, that our next classic series that we're going to uh, look at on on this show is uh, Genesis of the Daleks. But I've always loved the the moment in Genesis when we meet him because all of a sudden the Daleks finally make sense. You know, that it's all about his ego because they they do have this this weird thing. They move like they're in a wheelchair or, or something and they've only got one arm and one eye. And you want to say, who would design something like that? And then we meet <laughs> him and he's the guy in a wheelchair with one arm and one eye. And you say, <laughs> oh, of course. And, and it's this hideous electronic eye because his own eyes are gone. You know, if we ever just learned that his eyes are somehow closed, that would be a hideous betrayal of everything that's happened up to this point. I just want to say, mm, spoilers. <sighs> God. Anyway, no, no, his eyes are gone. That's the whole freaking point. Anyway, and he's replaced it with an electronic eye, which you know, who knows what what you know the world uh, looks like through that eye but but so so he creates something that that looks like him because he has that kind of mind he has that kind of narcissism and in genesis also he's given the 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 question the moral question if you had the power to destroy everything would you do it and 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 the point is to try to catch him in something where he'll admit that having that kind of power isn't good and the surprise is he says you know what yeah i would do it mm. which I think brilliantly harkens now, what is it, 40 years later to come to this episode where he's actually got the power. Yes. So, Clarence, what did you think of seeing Davros? Hmm. Yeah, so so one of the, the things we always talk about in Doctor Who is uh, what locked moments in time or frozen moments in time. And mm. and certainly we see where that's broken drastically <laughs> um, in this episode. But we do see where Dalek Khan does pay the price for what he did. So, so maybe for that being a justification for him coming back, I think it's okay because if you look at it, also Rose is here and there's no way she should be here as well. So I think his appearance is fine. It's fun. And it, it gives you shed a little, sheds a little more light to people who have been watching the new series up to this point and doesn't really know much about the old series, the classic series. Um, It says a little more light on the Daleks. Agreed. Agreed. One of the things that I did not like about parting of the ways was, and again, 2005 or 2006, whenever I'm watching this, I'm just getting into my knowledge of Doctor Who. So I mm. did not realize or had seen some of the older or read up on some of the older yet to realize there were emperors of the Daleks at, at certain points in different stories. That said, I thought or looked at it at first that they were trying to retcon a little bit and take Davros out by saying, I am the create, you know, the emperor, the god of the Daleks in, you know, parting of the ways that said, Oh, I was so happy to see Davros that <laughs> the, and Julian Bleach did a and continues to do a marvelous, maniacal, totally off his proverbial rocker chair 
of whoever crazy he wants to be. He does it brilliantly. Would would you guys agree? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think Julian Bleach's Davros is 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 phenomenal, and uh, I, I uh, enjoy it so very much. And I, I'm glad you you started talking about actors because one of the things that struck me this time around, it would be really easy to overlook this actor who is often the voice of the Daleks, or he's the voice of Cybermen, you know. And so, which I think it'd be easy to say, you know, all he's got to do is, you know, get behind the the filter and make the right noises. I'm stalling because I'm blanking on his name. Thank you. <laughs> I've met the man and I'm blanking on his name. It would be easy to say all Nicholas Briggs has to do is get behind a filter and say exterminate. And that is so not true and not fair to him. But in this episode, he's Dalek Khan. And you want to talk about nuts. Uh, Khan <laughs> is completely insane. And singing to himself, you know, in his little <laughs> voice and so on. It's a it's a great, great performance. And all Nicholas Briggs has to work with is is his voice. And I just think it's it's masterful. It's one of the best things about the episode to me is Nicholas Briggs as the completely bonkers Dalek Khan. But I love that character, the he's there returning or whatever. Yes, you know. I love that, yes. He flew into the fire. Yes. So a little bit of trivia here. There was someone who was rumored to have expressed interest in starring in a, you know, a one-off role in Doctor Who. Who might that have been? And he was rumored to have been considered for Davros. Any, any wild guesses there? Oh. No idea. Well, Clarence, I think uh, you will – well, both of you will find this yeah. interesting. No, I do remember this, um, and I don't – I didn't believe it, but I had heard that uh, maybe Patrick Stewart. Yes. That, what? That, that was what I read as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't – I don't. I don't believe it, but it's, it's an interesting idea. Anyway. Well, it says that he and David Tennant were set to star in Shakespeare together, and we, you know we're going to be, I think, in Macbeth or Hamlet one. Hamlet, they're Hamlet, Hamlet and okay. Claudius, yeah. And they were working together, and that he had expressed interest in appearing in Doctor Who, and that I I could see him doing it. I think you'd had he done a fantastic job. Are you just thinking of Xavier? That's that's who you're well, thinking about, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> had, had he been uh, had he been Professor X by this? Yes, because uh, yeah, 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 because the, that movie came out in 2000. Yeah, the first he, just, he didn't want to do another wheelchair role, <laughs> <laughs> oh. or another crazy man role in a wheelchair. Oh, aha, uh-huh. ah. Hmm. That's a, that's a, ah. and and in case anyone's listening and wondering what that was, that was just a hint to check out our latest episode of discussing comics where we talk about House of X. Okay, interesting. Ah. I didn't know you were going for that or Logan. Um, oh, that's good too. Harriet Jones. Do you know who she is? <laughs> yes, we know who she is. So, what did you guys think about the return? Quite unexpected, I think, of Harriet Jones. Very unexpected. Uh, for me in this episode, it felt like a bit of redemption for her. I feel bad what actually happens to her in this episode. But uh, it, it seems like it's a bit of a redemption story of her because of um, how David Tennant's doctor reacted to her in the Sycorax when she um, used what to- a Torchwood weapon to destroy their ship. Yep. If I'm remembering right. Totally correct. Yeah, so she, you know, sacrifices herself in a sense and, and 
that was, you know, a redemption for her. And I, I very much enjoyed that part of the story. And I also enjoyed her being like the catalyst to get the band back together or yes. make all these connections. Right. Yeah. Though it would not have happened without her. Yeah, and this secret whisper network or whatever they call it. Subwave network. Yeah. <laughs> Techno babble. Yeah, I, you know what? Exactly. I think what I liked about her the most, or seeing her again, of course, even the Dalek said, we know who you are. That was so cool. But I think it's what you mentioned, Clarence, with her holding true to her convictions and how many of us – and I'm maybe talking to myself here, but how many of us would have taken what the doctor did and analyzed it and analyzed it and was thinking, okay, I was I wrong? And, and, she, and the character may have done some of that, but I give kudos for writing her in a way of, yes, the doctor did what he did. I still believe what I believed and I'm holding by my conviction. Yeah. You know, yeah, uh, she she says as much, and I, I, I did. I re, I respect that. And you you look at what's going on in the episode, and she said, you know why I did what I did because one of these days there's going to be a kind of a threat, and the doctor's not there, and and here we are. Yeah, right. Because where yeah. is he? And you know, Martha's trying. You know, everybody's trying to reach him. Martha's trying to call him, and she's saying, you see, this is why I did what I did. Hmm. So, so let's talk Martha for a second. We see Martha at the very beginning when the Earth is stolen and. There's obviously some change since the last time we saw Martha. She's been promoted. She has more power within unit. And she's been given this Osterhagen key. What did you guys think of this concept of this key that certain people would activate that would... We don't know what it is yet. Yeah, yeah, don't tell Oh, that's right. Spoilers. (laughs) Spoilers. But we... But we, what we know at this point is that she is, has, uh, access to the top secret Project Indigo. Yes. Yeah. And so that appears to be the big mystery of this episode. And the only person who comes close to knowing what that is, is Jack. And he is horrified. So yeah. I, I like that. I, I like, I love the way it operates too. I love the idea that it would have rip cords on it. That's just, that's just cool. <laughs> it's very dramatic. So Clarence, do you agree? Any thoughts? I mean, I agree. I mean, it, again, like this one of a few concepts in this episode that I felt like they threw at us for story convenience, which is fine. Uh, we're going to get a quick resolution to that, obviously, in, in the next episode, uh, as far as the key goes. Uh, and Project Indigo, I'm still trying to figure out, and I do not remember the next episode. I, I just don't. Well, <laughs> so, so I'm we'll trying just, to figure out how Project Indigo is going to play into anything. Cause if it doesn't, it's kind of a useless thing that they brought up, uh, for suspense, but we'll see how it's used in the next, in the next episode. But I don't know. They, I think they threw a lot of techno or uh, tech concepts at us really quickly in this episode, which is fine. It made it fun. It made it, it made the episode fast paced, but, um, it seems like a lot of mystery for us to get through, uh, in the, in the next episode. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. And you know what? I think as far as being fast paced, I think the score that, you know, Murray Gold did for this episode, it kept the entire episode moving along and faster and faster. And you you just felt like you were building to something, you know, it it was wonderfully mastered. Oh, the score for this episode is just, just uh, thrilling. So mm-hmm. I want to talk for a second and move us in the direction of Rose and particularly I- having Rose paired with Donna's family. So what did you guys think 
of Donna, I mean, well, you say Wilfred and you say uh, Donna's mother, Sylvia, and you, they are basically saved by um, Rose. So what did you guys think of this pairing of your current uh, companion's family? And then you have, the, you know, Rose. What did you guys think of that? Hmm. It, I don't, I don't feel like it was anything special about it per se, uh, but just like the overall interaction between companions, I thought was fun. I thought when they were on the computer, Roses on the computer with, with, uh, Wilf and, and, uh, and, and, uh, the mother there, I felt like that it was fun because Rose was asking about Martha. <laughs> she was kind of off put by Martha, which like Rose always is when a new companion yes. shows up, but she doesn't feel that way about Donna, which I find that interesting. I, or, or her parents, I guess, cause she's like with them and seems very comfortable. So I wonder what it is about Martha versus, um, Donna and Donna's family is because Martha is young, maybe a little bit younger. I don't know what, what, why is she kind of off put by her versus Donna and why does he know all about Donna but doesn't really know anything about Martha? So that that was a question that popped in my head. Hmm. So oh. I'm going to take it and 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 pose this to Lee, but I'm going to add one more element to it. My question that I had in regards to Rose: not only did she know about Donna, but she seems to know a little bit about everything. You know, she seems at this point, especially in these last two episodes, as the person who knows, you know, like she's coming in with all this information at the right place, at the right time, in the same outfit. So (laughs) what do you think, Lee? Um, I want to talk more about that when we get to talking about our favorite scenes. But I I really like the way uh, we, we, we cross those lines that we... We, we did not expect earlier in the series to have Rose at Sylvia and Wolf's house. You know, that just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so, so I think it's fun to, to do it that way. And it just shows how interconnected all these stories are. So it, it's, uh, I, I really enjoyed that. I really like that aspect of it. And she definitely saves them. I mean, they are about to die before she uh, blows that Dalek up. So. Yeah, I mean, do you think that there is a Sylvia and a Wolf in the in Rose's universe? Hmm, possibly. And that's and Donna. Yeah. So she, hmm. although the other universe Donna may be dead because she. Uh, oh, okay, so I think you're leading. She turned left. Well, yeah. but I think you're leading right <laughs> into interesting. But I think you're leading right into uh, an observation that. I did not ever get until watching this episode in review mode, so to speak. And we made a comment in our, or we actually had a small discussion in our last episode about the fact of Donna choosing to turn left and sacrificing herself to save herself. So what I noticed was if Donna did not remember the things that happened when she was under control of the beetle or whatever, then how did Donna remember and be able to describe Rose? Some part of me, whether it's subconsciously, or not me subconsciously, but the character subconsciously or consciously, does remember that the events as they happened in 
turn left. But did she say it was fading? Now, she may have. Uh, And she does explain or or describe Rose pretty quickly after she meets back up with the doctor and turn left. So so maybe that portion that she was able to um, verbalize kind of stuck with her a little bit more. Hmm. Good, very good, very good thought, very good analogy. So let's move on to what I call reunited and regenerated. So, question: the scene where the Doctor and Rose are reunited. Thoughts, Clarence? Why don't you take this one first? <laughs> it's like the end of a rom com or something. <laughs> yeah. They see each other down the street. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was a nice scene, but you just knew something was going to happen. Uh, it was just a little bit too poetic. <laughs> and, and, um, yeah, this is one of many scenes where you see people pop out of nowhere to save people, which, uh, Jack popped out of nowhere and destroyed the Dalek at, at, at the last second there. A little bit too late, by the way. So I don't know. I, yeah. I, 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 I very much enjoyed it, but I kind of knew it wasn't going to be a happy ending right there. So I don't know. What about you guys? Okay. Lee. I, I keep trying to remember how I felt watching it the first time. I remember it is hokey. They run toward each other in slow motion with, with big grins on their faces. So on a, and then he gets shot. And I, I, my recollection is that I fell for it completely. That I just knew the next thing that was going to happen is they were going to fall into each other's arms. And then pow. Mm. And I, I was stunned. I think I did exactly what uh, what showrunners wanted me to to feel. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just maybe I'm a sap. Maybe I'm a sucker. I participated in it because I wanted to. <laughs> you know, right? I like how yeah. you said I that. Said, I said I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give myself over to this moment. I know that this is corny and cheesy, but I feel that it's supposed to be, and it's okay. Uh, you know. But, <laughs> I like how you empowered us to have our man tears. I like. Well, that. there you go. And and, and that's oh, wait next week. <laughs> it doesn't kind of underline the fact that these two are. If there was any doubt that one loves the other, yeah. this is kind of that moment, right, where they're going to embrace each other after, yeah. after maybe or the possibility of them ever seeing each other wasn't was not in the cards. But now they're face to face, and this is their moment. Not, not going to happen. <laughs> well, think about it. We've watched two series now because this is ultimately the end since she left and he's brooded, particularly last year, yep. over yep. the fact that she's not there. Poor Martha. Poor Martha. That's <laughs> all you have to say. Poor Martha. Because Rose wasn't there. And, you know, had, had Donna not been Donna and just said, not with me, spaceman, it would have been brooding, you know, because of Donna. But, but it's crazy of how fast he fell back into that mode as soon as in turn love Donna mentions, mentioned seeing, seeing what, what she describes as Rose. And he instantly kind of fell right back into that mode. It's the Martha season all over again. <laughs> Let's jump to the end and we see the beginning of a regeneration. Once again, the doctor and the TARDIS regenerating. Did you go away from this to be continued thinking next week? We're going to have a new doctor. Well, I wonder where people felt at the time because I, I don't remember what I felt when I watched it the first time. But of course, this time I kind of knew that it, well, is that spoilers? Hmm. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah we well, the next episode. <laughs> nah, we pretty much know we got more from, you know, yeah. the, the, the doctor well, will be with us to the end of time. The 10th doctor will be with us to the end of time. We know that. So, yeah. Yeah. So we're going to have a little bit more doctor, but I don't know what I thought of the first time. Uh, but this time it still felt real to me. It felt like it was going to happen. And so much that I went and watched the first 10 minutes of the next episode <laughs> because it, it, it did seem like it was going down. And of course, what was so interesting about that moment is that, uh, Donna has no idea what's going on. I mean, it seems like he hasn't, it, it, from her reaction, it seems that she doesn't know anything about regeneration. And of course we remember, and I forget what episode when Martha made him sit down and tell, tell her <laughs> about it. Yeah. So, so, so Donna's like, what in the world so, is going on right now? It's the end of, um, um, <laughs> the endless traffic jam. What's it called? Gridlock. Gridlock. Yes. Yeah. And you know, the, what, what I remember from watching this the first time is that the person that I was with, you know, as we got to the, um, Rose and Jack are, or they know what's going to happen and they're, they're taking Donna, you know, they're saying, you know, stand back because this is a big deal. You know, what's going to happen next. And, the person I was with said, "Oh, bye, bye, David. I love your doctor." <laughs> you know, and I said, "This is not the uh, because because it would have it would have been media, right? We would have all I knew that all of us who were fans we would have been talking about this episode as being uh, David Tennant's last episode, and we weren't. We, yeah. we had and I and I thought either they have managed to keep this a secret and we're pulling out the biggest surprise ever, yeah, or this is a this is a, a curveball, and it's going to be great to see how we get out of it next week. Mm-hmm. Mm. See, I couldn't figure out how. See, I was totally, I was totally blown. I was totally, you know, like, oh bleep! I was thinking, oh, it, I mean, I was just, I mean, I was like uh, e- equally distraught slash pissed slash I didn't know anything mm-hmm. about this. To equally excited over the fact of wow, they actually. You know, we're able to pull this off without anybody knowing that is so freaking mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Oh no, David Tennant is gone. What am I going to do? I'm never going to like anybody else. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, what's going to happen? I can't wait to watch next week. You know, that was yeah. exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. And we, we actually get a few fake outs in, uh, with Capaldi in season 10. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it makes me wonder if it's ever a possibility, possibility, excuse me, in the future where they will surprise us. Do we just think that mm. is never going to happen? It's not possible in the Internet age. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it. Mm-hmm. Huh. I think it is possible to surprise us on some things, you know, maybe perhaps doctors you weren't expecting hint hint but mm. for that particular say the night of the doctor that might be a good snuck in oh that's you know, a good under example the radar. because but that wasn't a major that wasn't current doctor leaving no but you're right i remember my jaw hitting the floor when he said it might not be the doctor you're expecting it's what yeah, <laughs> that, that was um so mm. it can be done but you're right not maybe not on the the mainstream show not in the we know that it says it says at the end to be continued. So we know that David Tennant will maybe come back next week as the next incarnation of the Doctor, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as long as the uh, screenwriter has figured out a handy way out of this situation. <laughs> yep. yep. 
You know, maybe we could give him a hand in writing. Maybe so. Who knows? But I do know one thing I am certain of is before we get to our favorite quote and favorite saying, I'm curious to know, do either of you have anything on your plate that you wanted to talk about (laughs) that we have not covered? Uh, We didn't mention the visit to the Shadow Proclamation, Ah, which I wanted wanted to throw it out to you. To you guys, like, is that, have we seen that in new, in older and classic who, or is that, uh, something invented for no. new who? It was, it was always, that was entirely an invention of the new series of Russell T. Davies. And I think we were always led to believe that because it was called proclamation, that it was a, it was a document of some kind, an agreement yeah. that, uh, people in the, in the galaxy were held to. And it turns out it's a, it's a place or a group of people. That they are the proclamation. And it's Jadun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I also read that originally, but budgetary constraints prevented them from doing this. They literally wanted to have a scene similar to what we see in the Jack scene at the end of the end of time is a con- Glomerate of different species and characters, some that we had seen before, some we didn't. But again, budget said, "Oh well, let's bring back the Jadoon." Right. Uh, yeah, I, see, I do seem to remember reading that too, and thinking that would have been marvelous, you know, if we had seen, you know, the the, the Moxa Balhoon and you know people like that, and um, people from the forests of Cheem and so on. Uh, yeah, it, it would have been. This episode has already got to be the most expensive thing of the whole year. Yeah. So. So I will say that I did like about the Shadow, Shadow Proclamation. We see it now in this episode, and we don't see it again for five or six years. And it was only briefly that we see this character from Shadow Proclamation again. So the sparse usage of these or this concept, I like. I think it's very used only every once in a while, so it makes it kind of cool when you see it. Yes, here, here. All right, so favorite scene. So, Lee, why don't you take this one first? Favorite scene, what was yours? I just, there's so much to love about this script and this episode, but I looking at it again, I just, I, I, I was surprised that the thing that I was on the edge of my seat about was when Harriet Jones is sort of getting the band back together, and she reaches out and is able to contact Martha and Jack and Sarah Jane, and she doesn't even mention trying to reach out to Rose. And there is Rose because Sylvia thinks that having a webcam is naughty. <laughs> she won't let Wolf have one. So for that reason, and because Rose is at, at their house, she has to be outside the conversation. Well, and of course, Harriet is not looking for her anyway because she doesn't know that Rose is even in this universe. As far as Harriet knows, surely she died at Canary Wharf. So, but, but the, the tension of, of having to experience this joyful reunion in which Rose wants desperately to participate. Um, I, I just, I just thought the tension of that was fascinating and her, her playing of it is wonderful. Um, although I did also catch this time that when uh, they're talking about the companions who have been the most faithful to the doctor, Rose says, uh, I was here first. And she's, of course, talking to Sarah Jane, among other people. And I thought, mm, no. no, you weren't. <laughs> Sorry. I understand why you feel that way. But no, Sarah Jane was here a long time ago. Anyway. Um, but yeah, favorite scene. How about you guys? Mm. 
Clarence, what do you think? Oh, man, I have two, actually. But my first is going to be Wilf out and about on the streets with his paintball gun. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that almost worked, too. It, it, I thought it was a brilliant idea, yeah. actually. But, you know, I guess they have built-in windshield wipers or something uh, with the Dalek because he kind of just evaporated the paint yeah. away and, and went on. Yeah, and then of course Rose comes to to save the fam there. So that was that was maybe my number one. And I want to hear what Cal's is before I give a number two because it it may be his. So I'll let I'll let him go. All right, I can guarantee you that your favorite is not going to be what I'm going to say because I had almost put down. Actually, I had written down regeneration the very very end as because of its surprise but i keep going back to what i wanted to put down at the concept of or whenever i was thinking about it and so i'm just going to say what i thought and wanted it to be which is the opening credits i loved seeing all those names flying Mm -hmm. out at you in the opening credits i thought that was Brilliant. It set for me the pace of the whole story. So yes, that's going to be my favorite part. And, and technically that is a scene, the opening credits. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's going to be my favorite opening credit. Yeah. And my honorable mention was at the very beginning when they leave out of the TARDIS, see where they are, and then go back onto the TARDIS and just hear like this thud. And to me, like this is just like an extremely creepy moment. And crazy moment when they open the door to see that no, they're not in a new place. Earth is gone. That that's scary. <laughs> mm, that's actually very yeah, good. It was a great moment, and they played it very well too. All right, favorite quote, Clarence. Why don't you take this one first? Favorite quote. Uh, I think Lee has already said my favorite quote, uh, and of course that's the Harry Jones call. When Rose says, uh, you have a webcam and to Will says, uh, she wouldn't let me. She said, it's naughty. <laughs> so, that, that had to be mine. <laughs> cool. Lee, what about you? I, I, I'm sure there are people who feel exactly the opposite of the way I do about this. This must have been a divisive moment, but I always loved the joke that Harriet Jones thinks people don't remember her and. You know, from the very beginning, you know, she's been identifying herself, showing her ID, you know, MP Flydale North. And then even when she's prime minister, she has to say, I'm the prime minister. Yes, we know. And I wondered when the Daleks came in and, you know, they're going to kill her. I thought this is such a somber moment and she is going to sacrifice herself so that the message can get out. It's in this moment. Are we going to do the joke again? And we did it. <laughs> and the Daleks say, yes, we know who you are. Harriet Jones, former prime minister. Yes, we know who you are. Oh, you know nothing of any human. And that will be your downfall. <laughs> I just, I just love it. I love it uh, so much, and I, I, I'm sure there are people who just hate that, who can't stand it. But anyway, that's my feeling. I just, that's, I just roared with laughter the first time that I saw that. I remember. So yes, we know who you are. Yeah, but see, <laughs> I say that just proves how well known Harriet Jones became. 
Yeah. yeah. The Daleks well, knew who she was. Well, it's it's ridiculous. Why would they be there if they didn't know who she was and what she was doing? <laughs> anyway. All right. Clarence, favorite quote. Oh, I'm sorry. Say mine. Oh, that's right. You did. Okay. <laughs> Repe- um, re- recalibrating. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so for my favorite quote, it was actually right before the cheese started because this actually made me kind of choke up a little bit every time I watch it is the look on Donna's face and the way Catherine Tate portrays this line when she says, why don't you ask her yourself? Uh, And it's just, it's the way she delivers that line, just seeing her and it's the, the look and the way she nods her head kind of like telling him turn around. Yeah. It, 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 it was Brilliantly done. She did a marvelous job on that. And it gives me chills every time, even sitting here thinking of her right. saying it. She did that so well. So that is my favorite quote. Yeah. I, I noticed that moment this time too. And she, and the, the fondness with which she looks at him as he turns around and sees Rose. She, yeah. she loves how much he loves her. And uh, yeah, it is. It's, a, it's a, another aspect of the great work of Catherine Tate in this, this uh, serial. Multiband, yes. Multiband. Yeah. And I'll say for, for me in that scene, I was expecting um, when when Rose calls to home base and says, you know, send me somewhere else, there was a big flash. So I was expecting that to happen when she came to the doctor's position. But of course, it was very quiet and, and we, we saw what we saw with uh, Donna. So that kind of surprised me. And also, can we talk about these two digits from Martha Jones fixing the vortex manipulator? What? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we can't talk about that. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if we, we can talk about it, but yeah. Yeah, but uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's the, uh, the double talk generator is, is all it is. It's, uh, <laughs> Just, I like how uh, you said that. Uh, I, I think that I think I got that from the uh, Next Generation uh, Writer's Guide. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> so that that's not original with me. The Double Talk Generator, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. The idea that that Jack needed to enter two two digits into his vortex manipulator to make it work, and that yeah. he can get that information from Project Indigo is. I mean, just the permutations on that. He can come up with that, with, with that itself in like a day. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, there's only 99 possibilities. Uh, how? Uh, anyway. <laughs> All right. So without the two digits, because we're only going to do from one to five, so we don't have to worry about vortex manipulators and double digits. This is only going to be a one to five rating. So gotcha. yeah. we're safe here. Not not like Donna's head in an oval, but we're safe. We will say final rating, and I'll start it off. I'm going to give this a very extremely solid five out of five. Clarence, what say ye? Another solid five for me, sir. I have complaints, but they are small. It, it's a wonderful episode. It ties in a lot of what we've seen with New Who and Classic Who as well. And, you know, it was just an episode that kept you, like you said earlier, at the edge of your seats the entire time with the score and just the acting. It was phenomenal. And seeing these characters again, just a, a great time. Cool. Lee. Yep. Same here. Five for me. Awesome. Awesome. So I have one other question and that question might be if anyone wanted to find you on the internet, Lee, where would they look? I want to point people towards relativitypodcast.com 
which will soon feature episodes of the new and final serial of Relativity. Thanks to some fine work from Lana Jordan and Clarence Brown already in the can. Yay. So, yay. yay. <laughs> mm. So, Clarence Brown, other than Relativity, where might you be found? I'm going uh, to point people to our Facebook group, which can be found at facebook.com slash group slash discussing network, where we post all types of content surrounding the things we talk about on our shows. So check us out there. Be sure to join the group there, and we'd love to have you in. All right. Well, I will go outside of our network and sort of, well, maybe not completely outside of our network, but this past Sunday, I did an episode or recorded an episode with Ron Stevens of the Extremely Geeked Out podcast where we were talking about Spider-Man and the Sony slash um, Disney Marvel breakup or whatever you want to call. So that is <laughs> whatever it is, whatever, you, whatever it is. And we're also, as I mentioned earlier on discussing comics, talking about the House of X, which I am having a complete ball reading is so much fun. It's the first time I've been excited about X-Men in probably decades. So I'm having so much fun with that. So yes, extremely geeked out podcast. And of course, check us out on discussing who. So gentlemen, thank you. This is to be continued because journeys in is an episode away and I can't wait to talk about it. So everyone listening, thank you for joining us. Tell your friends about the show, subscribe, make sure you're getting the latest from discussing who and as always we thank you for your time and with that we will be back next time you've been listening to the discussing network find out more at discussingnetwork.com discussing who is brought to you by audible you've probably heard of audible but just in case they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks they have more than 180,000 titles let me say that again 180,000 titles to choose from imagine a genre they've got an audiobook and these files play on smartphones kindles tablets in fact over 500 different devices now for fans of discussing who audible is offering a free download when you start a new Audible subscription. And you can choose anything at all from that vast library. But we know you want to get one of their absolutely fantastic Doctor Who titles, which include New Adventures of the Doctor, but also Torchwood and River Song. And they're performed for you by actors you know and love. Wonderful voices, Tom Baker, Alex Kingston, David Tennant. The list goes on and on. So try it out for 30 days. And if at the end of the month you decide Audible is not for you, you still get to keep that Doctor Who book you downloaded. So look at it this way. Free Doctor Who book. So here's how you get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash discussing who. That's audibletrial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com slash discussing who. Also one word. And that's how you get your free book. What could be better than that?